0: For our scripture reading this morning, we turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, we're going to read the first 32 verses. And I want you to pay attention especially to the custom of our Lord Jesus when it comes to the Sabbath day. What was the custom of our Lord Jesus? And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord." And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bare him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the day of Elias, or Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, or Zarephath, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Eliseus, or Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And rose up, and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he passing through the midst of them went his way, and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. We read the word of God that far this morning. I also call your attention to the teaching of the catechism in Lord's Day 38. That's in the back of the Psalter on page 22. Page 22, Lord's Day 38. What doth God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained, and that I, especially on the Sabbath, that is, on the day of rest, diligently frequent the church of God, to hear his word, to use the sacraments, publicly to call upon the Lord and contribute to the relief of the poor as becomes a Christian. Secondly, that all the days of my life I cease from my evil works and yield myself to the Lord to work by his Holy Spirit in me and thus begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have been considering together the Ten Commandments in these sermons. We have already looked at the First, Second, and Third Commandments, and now this morning we turn to the Fourth Commandment. By way of introduction, I want to make the comment that the Fourth Commandment really rests on the first three commandments— The fourth commandment does not make much sense without the first three commandments. And altogether, these first four commandments make up the first table of the law of God. They all hang together, and the fourth commandment follows the first three. Just think of it. If someone was to live in violation of the first commandment, if someone was to live in service to another God, in service to an idol God, instead of serving the one true God of our Lord Jesus Christ, then will that person listen to the words of God and the laws of God? Will that person pay any attention or have any interest in what God has to say about a certain day of the week? No, he will not but he will consider all of the days of the week something for his own use and he will use them according to his own desires. And in the second place, if someone was to live in violation of the second commandment, if someone was to live in service to graven images instead of worshiping God through his word, will that person have any interest in what God has to say about the Sabbath day? If he has no interest in what God says about how to worship him, then he's not going to have any interest either in what God has to say about when to worship him or where to worship him. But no doubt such a person will think that it is perfectly okay and perfectly sufficient to stay at home on Sunday to worship God his own way, with his own religion, with his own liturgy, with his own way of worship. Or perhaps that person who violates the second commandment would be willing to go to a church on Sunday, but only to such a church that would please him, that would entertain him, that would give him something that he finds interesting, entertainment, live music, and the like. Consider someone who lives in violation of the third commandment. Someone who does not have any love or any reverence, for the holy name of God. Will that person have any interest in what God says about the Sabbath day? Certainly not. Because such a person has no interest in worshiping the holy name of God. Such a person would be much too sleepy to even get out of bed on Sunday morning. And if he would be awake enough to get to church, he would surely sleep through the worship service or... If he keeps his eyes open, his heart would certainly be shut. We see that the fourth commandment follows the first three. God tells us in the first commandment to worship him and to worship him alone. In the second commandment, to worship him not through graven images, but only through his word and in the ways that he lays out for us in his word. In the third commandment, he says to worship him by reverencing his holy name and loving his name and magnifying his name. And now in the fourth commandment, he commands us to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This commandment comes in the words, remember. Remember the Sabbath day. And the reason is that we are prone to forget it. As sinners, we are prone to forget the Sabbath day to neglect it, to ignore it, to minimize it, or to view it as just another day. So God says to us in his law, remember the Sabbath day. Don't forget it. Remember the Sabbath day. This is a very precious day. This is a blessed day. God gives us one day every week as a precious gift so that we may have rest for our souls. So let's consider the command to remember the day of rest. We're going to look at three points this morning. First of all, that in this commandment we are called to go to church to hear the gospel. Secondly, to bring our offerings to the Lord. And thirdly, to live in hope of the eternal Sabbath. In the fourth commandment, God says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days... Shalt thou labor and do all thy work? But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Why? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. And so in the very beginning of history, God worked for six days. In the creation of the universe, and then he rested on the seventh day in order to teach us that we are to develop the rhythm of working and resting, working and resting, working for six days, resting for one day every week. The fourth commandment requires that we work for six days. God would not have us to be idle and lazy all week long. But God would have us to be doing some kind of work. God would have us to be busy whether we are in the home or we are out in the workplace. He would have us to be busy and active, laboring and working for six days every week unless we are confined to our bed because of sickness or weakness or old age. But God would not simply have us to work. He would have us to work for him. There are millions and millions of people who are working for six days every week, but they are working for themselves. They're working for their own advancement, for their own riches, for their own promotion, and their own glory. God would have us to work six days a week by faith in the God who made this world in which we work, by faith in him, and in love for him who first loved us so greatly in Christ and he would have us to work for him, for his kingdom, for his glory but before we go about that work, God would have us to rest before we get to work on the first day of each week God would have us to rest remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now you recall that in the Ten Commandments, which was given by God to Moses in the Old Testament, it is stated differently that we are to work for six days and then rest on the seventh day. And we saw the reason was that in the Old Testament, God would have his people to remember his work of creation in the beginning and his rest on the seventh day. That's what they were to remember on the Sabbath day, the seventh day, the last day of every week. But now in the New Testament, God, when he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, God is telling us to remember the first day of the week. Because it was on the first day of the week that our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It was on the first day of the week that He entered into his rest in body and soul after he had finished the hard, difficult, toilsome work of redemption. After he had finished the work of suffering, of death, of crucifixion. After dying on the cross for our sins, it was on the first day of the week that he sprung free from the grave. He arose from the dead. He entered into his rest in order to give us rest. And therefore now until the end of time, when God says, remember the Sabbath day, he is saying, remember the day of rest, the day when Christ entered into his rest to give you rest. Remember the first day of the week. Keep that day holy. How, then, would God have us to keep the day of rest holy and to remember that day? Our catechism explains the commandment this way, that I, especially on the Sabbath, that is, on the day of rest, diligently frequent the church of God to hear his word, to use the sacraments to hear his word and to use the sacraments. God would have us to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy by diligently, regularly attending church. By coming frequently, regularly, and faithfully to church just as Jesus himself did. In our scripture reading in Luke chapter 4, I asked you to pay attention to what was the custom of our Lord Jesus during his life on this earth. And we read there in Luke 4 verse 16 that Jesus, when he went to Nazareth, as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath days. That was his custom. Since Jesus was a little boy... Being raised up in Nazareth, his custom was to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath days. His custom, that means this was his regular, faithful practice. On the Sabbath days, he went to church. He went to the synagogue. He went to the house of God. Unlike so many in our world today, How many in our Western world today have the same custom that Jesus had? How many people here in our little town of Wingham have the same custom that Jesus had? How many in the surrounding towns, in the area in which we live, have the same custom that Jesus had? How many people make it their custom, their regular habitual practice to go to church on the day of rest, on the Lord's Day. Not many. Hardly anyone around us has the custom of going to church on the Lord's Day anymore. Church attendance is dropping, plummeting, in the Western, formerly Christian culture in which we live. There was a time when many more people used to go to church regularly as their custom, on the Lord's Day. But today... What percentage of the people around us are going to church today? How many people are in church right now at this moment? How many people are at home watching television? How many people are out and about enjoying the day as a day for their own pleasures? How many people are out in the bush fishing? How many people are on vacation? The custom of our Lord Jesus was to go to the house of God on the Sabbath days. And now the easy thing for us to do would be to judge everybody around us and to consider ourselves much better than they because our custom is to come to church on the Sabbath days. But let us take heed lest we fall. Pride cometh before a fall. Let us take heed to ourselves Let us remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy as Jesus did by diligently, regularly, faithfully coming to the church of God on Sunday. God calls us to gather together on Sunday. If we do not remember the Sabbath day in our own hearts, And come to church with gladness and joy so that that joy radiates from us. Then our children will not see any real reason to come to church on the Lord's Day. And our children after us and then our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, they will go out from the church. They will see no use of Sunday worship. That's what's happening all around us. Let us take heed to ourselves. In Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, the Apostle warns Christians in his day of that same danger. Hebrews 10, verse 24, he says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Positively, Joyfully encouraging each other, provoking, stirring each other up. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. Let's go to the church of God together. Let's worship together. It's the Lord's day. Let's go up to God's own house. Throughout the week, we are to worship God privately and as families. But on the Lord's day, God calls us to gather together, to assemble as a congregation publicly to worship God. Why does God command us to remember the Sabbath day by diligently coming to church? Well, the Catechism instructs us there too, as does the Scripture. The Catechism says that we diligently frequent the church of God, first of all, to hear his word, that's the most important thing. God would have us to come to church to hear his word, to hear the gospel. This is the day of rest. God would have us to come to church to hear the gospel because by hearing the gospel, we will have rest. By hearing the gospel, God will give rest to our souls. He will refresh us. He will replenish us. He will restore us. He will build us up. He will give rest to our souls when through the word of the gospel he points us to Christ. Jesus himself had this custom to go to the synagogue on the Lord's day, on the Sabbath day. Why did Jesus go to the synagogue? Scripture reading showed us that too. Jesus went into the synagogue and he stood up to read. And someone gave him a scroll from the book of Isaiah. And he unrolled the scroll and he read from Isaiah chapter 61, where the scripture says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Liberty for the bruised and the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus went to church throughout his life to hear the word of God. And then he went to church to preach the word of God. To preach the scriptures. To open the scriptures and read the scriptures and preach the scriptures. And what was the message that was preached? Jesus preached this message. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. That's what he preached. Christ stood up in the church on the Sabbath day, and Christ preached Christ. Christ preached, this scripture is fulfilled in me. This scripture points to me. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to you. And so the Lord Jesus has taught us, by his example, what God requires on the Sabbath days. That we come to God's church regularly and faithfully to hear the word of the gospel of Christ. God does not command us to come to church on Sunday, because by going to church on Sunday, we are going to merit and earn for ourselves the right of everlasting life. We don't go to church as a work that we are to perform by which we are to earn and merit with God. Many people would view it that way. We are tempted to view it that way. Why do you go to church on Sunday? Because it's the right thing to do. Because I have to do it. Because... If I don't go to church, God won't be happy with me. God won't be pleased with me. I go to church to make God happy. I go to church to make God pleased. I go to church so that God will bless me and give me eternal life. As if by going to church, by that activity and by that work, we are earning and meriting all of those blessings and all of that life and salvation from God. That's not why we go to church. We don't go to church to, as a work in order to merit. We go to church in order to hear the gospel of him who merited for us. We go to church to hear of all that Christ has done for us. We go to hear the word of God, the word of the gospel, because that gospel gives rest to our souls. This is the day of rest. Why are we here? To hear a message that points us to Jesus Christ, that we may find rest for our souls. It is in church on the Sabbath day that we are able to hear the divine message of free salvation through Jesus Christ. If we are going to church and keeping the Sabbath day holy to try to merit salvation by our works, we're going to fail because we have all broken the Sabbath day. You have broken it. I have broken it. We constantly break it. It's not just the people who refuse to go to church on Sunday who break the Sabbath day. We break the Sabbath day. Every time that we have to drag ourselves into church, we've broken the Sabbath day. Every time we don't bring spiritual worship, we break the Sabbath day in many other ways. We come to church to hear the gospel of what Christ has done. Christ kept the Sabbath day. It was his custom to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Throughout the whole of his life, he kept it perfectly for you and for me. He never worked on the Sabbath day unnecessarily. He rested on the Sabbath day. He went to church on the Sabbath day. He worshipped on the Sabbath day perfectly with all of his heart in perfect love for his God. And not only that, but he worked and toiled in blood, sweat, and tears in suffering for us. He suffered already right there in Nazareth because when he preached that he was the fulfillment of the Scriptures, they pushed him out of the synagogue. They pushed him to the edge of the cliff at the outside of the town. And they were going to push him over the cliff and kill him He was rejected and forsaken by his own in Nazareth because he was suffering for us, for our sins. And then finally, they pushed him to the cross and they nailed him to the cross and he shed his blood there. He toiled under the heavy burden of God's wrath against all of our Sabbath desecration. And under his brow of sweat and blood and tears, he cried out in the darkness, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? And there he died alone in the darkness for our miserable Sabbath breaking. But on the first day he rose from the dead. The first day he rose. He broke free from the chains of death and hell as the victor over the grave, as our righteousness, as our salvation, as our rest. And he sends preachers of the gospel to us to stand up in the church of God on the Lord's day and to proclaim Jesus Christ, crucified and risen. Come to him, believe in him, and you will find rest for your weary souls. You will find rest in all of your sinfulness, in all of your brokenness, in all of your pain. Jesus Christ sends preachers to declare to us gospel to the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, deliverance for captives, sight for the blind, freedom for the bruised, and hope for that acceptable year of the Lord. We come to church because this is the way in which God gives us rest. By hearing his word, and by the use of the sacraments. God adds the sacraments to the preaching. He gives us also baptism and the Lord's Supper in order to confirm that faith and to strengthen us in grace by pointing us also through the sacraments to the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, suffering and shedding his blood For the washing away of all of our sins, which is pictured in the water of baptism, suffering and dying on the cross as a sign, the bread broken for us to point to his broken body, and the wine poured to us to point to his shed blood. Broken for you, shed for me. Remember the Sabbath day, beloved. Remember the Lord's Day to keep it holy by coming to the church of God diligently and frequently and regularly and joyfully and thankfully and with great anticipation and eagerness to hear the glorious gospel of rest in Jesus Christ who died and rose again. And then in the second place this morning, God commands us to remember the Sabbath day by bringing our offerings. We don't come to God's house empty handed. He calls us to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy because this is our reasonable service as Christians. This is the life becoming to Christians. This is the life of gratitude. For all that God has done for us in Christ. In thankfulness we come to the house of God. Bringing our offerings. That's what God requires. Bringing our offerings of praise and thanksgiving. Bringing our offerings of prayer and singing. Bringing our offerings spiritually and materially. Bringing our offerings in our hands and with our hearts. We come to the house of God in thanksgiving. This is our thankfulness to God. The catechism points that out as well. That I, especially on the Sabbath, that is on the day of rest, diligently frequent the church of God, not only to hear his word and to use the sacraments to receive from God the gracious words of the gospel, but also publicly to call upon the Lord. That first, publicly to call upon the Lord. Corporately, as an assembly of Christians, to lift up our prayers to God. Remember the Sabbath day by coming to God's house to pray. Now God wants us to pray every day. He wants us to pray in our personal and private life in the closet of our home. He wants us to pray around the family dinner table as parents with our children. But he also wants us to gather together as a congregation to pray on the Sabbath day. He calls us to set aside the Sabbath day from all the other days of the week as a day of prayer in his house. This is how we respond to God for his grace and salvation. We pray to him In Luke 19, verse 46, Jesus said to the Jews in the temple in Jerusalem, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. They turned the temple of God, which was a house of prayer, into a den of thieves. A den of wickedness. A place where sinful things took place. Jesus says, No. The house of God is a house of prayer. And the job of the minister of the gospel, what I to consider to be my job, my calling, in this sacred assembly on the Lord's Day is found in Acts 6 verse 4 where the apostles said that they were not going to serve tables but there would be deacons for that work. But we, the apostles, will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That's my task in the church on the Lord's Day. Prayer and the ministry of the Word. This is a house of prayer. The minister is called to lead us in prayer. We are called to follow his lead in that prayer. Do we come to church on Sunday morning eager to pray? when we get up on Sunday morning thinking this is the Lord's day this is the Sabbath day I'm eager to go to God's house to hear his word to hear his gospel to use the sacraments do we also think and to pray with my brothers and sisters I want to pray with them I want to join my heart with them through our minister and lift up a prayer to the Lord that's what I want to do that's why I'm going to church Sunday is the day to call upon the Lord together in prayer. Like Psalm 34 so beautifully says, let us magnify the Lord together. Let us exalt his name together. Let us as a congregation come together and pray. And let us lift up that prayer as our thankful sacrifice, our thankful offering of praise. Let us lift up prayers of thanksgiving, of of worship, of adoration. Let us point out to God all of His marvelous attributes, all of His glorious virtues. Let us magnify Him as the One whose name is above every name, as the Great God, the Almighty God, the Creator God, the Savior God, the Merciful and Gracious God. Let's pray. Let's pray to give thanks to Him for all the wonders He has done in our lives. All of his graciousness to us, all of his salvation, all of his blessings, and the riches of his love. Let's bring our petitions and supplications, and let's express to God our neediness, our sorrows, our brokenness, our sinfulness, and let us beseech him to be merciful to us, to be kind, to shine his face upon us. Let's pray. Let us beseech him as our shepherd as our light, our salvation, to guide us through this valley of the shadow of death so that we will have no fear, but we will know that he is with us. Let's pray. I come to church knowing that God expects of me as his servant to lead you in prayer. You must come to church on the Lord's day. Expecting and planning to follow God's servant in prayer up to the throne of grace, to come into his presence in prayer. If we sleep through the congregational prayer, we're breaking the Sabbath day. If we're not interested in prayer, We show how spiritually weak we are. If we cannot pay attention to a 10 minute or 15 minute prayer, we show how weak we are. If our minds are prone to wander, if we find it utterly boring, we need to repent of that. That means we're breaking the Sabbath day and we have no interest in bringing thankful praise and worship to God through prayer. May God have mercy on us. But calling upon the name of the Lord is not only done in prayer, but also through singing. Singing is a holy exercise of musical prayer. God has given to us the wonderful gift of music. God created music. And he gives us music so that on the notes of music, Our calling upon the Lord will lift up and ascend up through the clouds into God's listening ears, and he delights in the songs of his people. God has given us right here in the scriptures, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and God wants us to take those songs and to sing them to him. In our call to worship in Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2, we heard that call To come to the Lord and to sing unto him, to sing psalms unto him, to sing a new song unto him. Come before the Lord and shout unto him with psalms of praise and thanksgiving, the scripture says. God wants us through songs to call upon his name, to express to him all of our deepest convictions, our beliefs, our desires and longings, also to express to him our sorrows and our needs, our joys, and our thanksgiving. We come to church to sing. Ephesians 5, verses eighteen 19 and 20, the apostle teaches the church in Ephesus. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Sunday is a day for gathering together as a congregation to sing. If we have no interest in that, if we spend the whole week long with our ear pods, listening to all kinds of music and all kinds of songs made by worldly people, unbelieving people, and we find that interesting and entertaining, We find that pleasing and enjoyable. But we have no interest in singing the real songs. The real songs that God delights in. And singing those songs with gusto. Singing them with joy. Singing them with gladness. We can sing all other kinds of songs with gusto. But not the songs of the Lord then let us understand how weak we are. Let us see how we break the Sabbath day when we come to God's house that way. When we are thankful, when we come to God's house with joy and thanksgiving, when we are growing spiritually, and the singing in the Lord's house is the most blessed experience. And it is here, isn't it? When we gather together, it is a blessed experience to sing with you And I hope you find that to be a blessing, to sing with one another, to open the psalms, to lift up our voices. We don't all have the same giftedness of singing, but when we join our hearts together and join our voices together, it becomes a glorious chorus of praise and thanksgiving to God. A great blessing. But furthermore... God will have us to remember the Sabbath day by diligently coming to church to hear his word, to use the sacraments, to call upon the Lord, and to contribute to the relief of the poor. And also I go back to the beginning of the catechism, the Lord's Day, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained. Those both refer to coming with our offerings in our hands to the house of God on the Sabbath. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves when we come to his house cheerfully, faithfully, eagerly, carrying our offerings in our hands to bring them, to give them to the Lord. And in the first place, for the maintaining of the ministry of the gospel and the schools. And that is listed here under the Sabbath day because If we do not maintain the ministry of the gospel and the schools with our financial giving, then we will have no ministry of the gospel, and we will have no schools. And if we don't have them, then we cannot keep the Sabbath day. We will not have anything to hear. We will come to church and there will be no minister there. Sunday is the day to bring our offerings in what we call, first of all, the general fund. This morning we gave to the general fund. Our offerings to the general fund is not some arbitrary man-made offering. We have to understand that. The general fund is based on biblical teachings and instructions. In the Old Testament, God required everyone in Israel to give a certain amount of money to the service of the tabernacle. Exodus 30, verses 11 through 16. Everyone was to give the same amount small amount but the same amount for the service of the tabernacle in the wilderness and much later in Nehemiah chapter 10 we find that when the jews returned from captivity and they rebuilt the temple they obligated themselves to give a certain amount the same amount small amount every person the same for the service of the temple for the support of the ministry in the house Of God. Besides that, God in his law required all the Israelites to bring a tithe or one-tenth of all of their money, all of their possessions, to the house of God to give to the Levites, the priests, the Levites, the servants of God who labored in his house. Because God did not give any inheritance to the Levites in the land. They had no land of their own. They had no separate jobs, so to speak. They were dependent upon the church, upon the people of God, to give their tithes, to give their offerings, to support the Levites. God commanded them in his law to do that. Numbers 18 and Deuteronomy 12. Now in the New Testament, that Old Testament law does not apply to us in the same way. And I'm not saying this morning that we must give tithes, that we must give exactly one tenth. But in the New Testament, God continues that requirement. 1 Corinthians 9, 9 through 14, the Apostle Paul teaches that we must not muzzle the ox that is treading out the corn. And those who preach the gospel must live from the gospel. Ministers of the gospel, under ordinary circumstances, are not permitted to take a second job. Those who preach the gospel are called to live from the gospel. They are not permitted to take another job because the people of God are called to support the ministry of the gospel and the schools. That's what we do. And the way we do that in our congregation is through adopting a budget, a yearly budget for our general fund, and in that budget, we do what the people of God did in ages past. We obligate ourselves to contribute a certain amount for the maintenance of the ministry of the gospel and the theological schools, not only locally in our own congregation, but denominationally. The mission fields out afar of off in the Philippines and wherever the Lord might give us other mission fields. The theological school in Michigan. We obligate ourselves to support those things. And on the Lord's Day, we come not with empty hands. We bring our offerings. And I want to tell you this, too that I, as a pastor, am also called to contribute to the ministry of the gospel and the schools. I'm not exempt from that because I'm a pastor. God called the Levites in the Old Testament that when they received tithes from God's people, they were also to give tithes of those tithes. Your minister also understands it to be his calling to contribute to the general fund, to the ministry of the gospel and the schools. That is our Sabbath duty. And the Lord loves a cheerful giver, In Malachi, the Lord accused the people of robbing him in tithes and offerings when they failed to bring that support for the service of God in the tabernacle and temple. Let us testify our gratitude to God by coming, bringing our offerings on the Lord's day. And not only for the support of the ministry and the schools, but also for the relief of the poor. That's what we call the benevolence. Sunday is the day to give to the poor, to give to those who have less than us, to those who have lost their jobs, to those who are struggling mightily, to those who are homeless. To do good to all men and especially to those of the household of faith. We read in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 that the saints in the early church had all things in common. Nobody lacked anything, nobody was poor because everybody was contributing to the common fund for the support of everybody else. That's a beautiful, beautiful church. Where through our benevolent fund giving, we make sure that there's nobody in our midst who is lacking their daily needs. But our deacon has, from us, gifts and offerings to give to those who have needs. And in Acts chapter 11, we read how they brought an offering of relief throughout all the churches to the church in Jerusalem. There was a particular church that was needy. These other churches were doing quite well and prospering, but they made a great collection, and they brought it to another church that was poor and needy. And that, too, is part of our Sabbath duty, giving to the poor, Christians in other churches. In 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, the apostle wrote to the church at Corinth about that contribution for the poor in another church on the first day of the week, Sabbath day. Bring your offerings for the relief of the poor, your poor brothers and sisters in other churches far away. That's part of our Sabbath duty. All of this is what the Lord requires on the Sabbath day. But finally this morning, the Lord God commands us to remember the Sabbath day not only on Sunday, but every day by living in hope of the eternal Sabbath. Catechism says that all the days of my life I cease from my evil works and yield myself to the Lord to work by his holy spirit in me and thus begin in this life the eternal sabbath the eternal sabbath there is going to be an eternal sabbath Isaiah prophesied that at the end of his book there's an eternal sabbath coming Our Lord Jesus Christ, when He came into the world, He inaugurated that eternal Sabbath when He arose from the dead. He made it secure. He established it. It is sure. It is coming. He established everlasting rest for all of His people. And when Jesus comes again, He is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And in that place, in that glorious place, we will enjoy the Sabbath. Forever. Forever and ever and ever. World without end. The Sabbath day will never end. But we will enjoy rest and joy and blessedness and songs of joy and thanksgiving and prayers to God and giving ourselves to the Lord and thanksgiving for all the ages of eternity. And we will not do that to merit anything with God, but we will do that because of all that He has done for us. We will enjoy beautiful, perfect rest. That's our hope. That's what is coming. And in that eternal Sabbath, there will be a great assembly. Here we only assemble with a few of us, not even a hundred of us here this morning. There, a multitude which no one can number, millions and millions from every nation, kindred and tribe and tongue, will be gathered around the throne of God to worship God for all eternity. That's what is coming. And now God commands us, live in hope of that eternal Sabbath and live that way by ceasing more and more from your evil works. Just as you must cease from your ordinary works on Sunday, cease from your evil works on every day. Just as you must rest on the Lord's day, Rest in the Lord your God every day. He alone is able to change your heart and your life and cause you to walk in the paths of righteousness. Yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. Don't fight against the Holy Spirit, don't work against the Holy Spirit. Yield yourself to the Holy Spirit to work in your heart a new and godly life. And may the Lord come quickly with his eternal Sabbath. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank thee for the preaching of thy word this Sabbath day and for the preaching of thy law and thy gospel. We are thankful that thou hast blessed us so graciously We pray that thou would cause this word to find a place in our hearts. Apply it to our hearts. Apply it to our lives. We also pray, Father, for those many, many around us who have not rejoiced in the Lord's day and who find so many other things to do on Sunday. We pray that thou would work in the hearts of thy children here in Wingham, in our surrounding towns, that thou would use our witness to them, that they too might see the Sabbath day and the gospel as a delight and have salvation and rest as we have it. Bless us continually in this day.